This is Black Girl. Why am I like trembling right here? Okay, this is Black Girl from it's Eugene. Your it's your new office. It's like, I know, it's weird. I'm super excited. This is the first show from my new office. Fancy. I'm really happy about the wall. It's beautiful. Right? It's a beautiful wall. I was saying about like lights and a picture, but it's kind of cool just having it all brick in a way. It kind of feels like you don't really we're in a city. city. That's the whole thing. Oh, I'm gonna tell my partners because that was the idea. <laughs> <laughs> the idea was have city like a city chic type of feel to it. Yay! And we have raspberries. Sorry, guys. Um, well, so thank you for joining us. Um, I want to have a couple of announcements before I, before we talk about what we're talking about. And um, the first one is this is my first show in my office, so welcome. <laughs> Um, also, my Patreon, everyone, I think, I want to kind of ask Patreon before I say their names, because I don't know if they even really want to be seen, but I want to say a huge thank you to my Patreons um, that are supporting me and keeping this podcast up and going, because I've gotten a lot of support there, and uh, keep it going, share, 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 it helps, it's allowing me to do the things that I'm doing, I mean... Look what we're doing, right? right? And in this awesome space. In this awesome space. Right. So I mean, I can't, I cannot like give enough gratitude for for my Patreon. So please, if you're thinking of supporting, it's literally five dollars a month, and it makes a huge difference. Um, anything else? Did you guys have anything to say before we get started? I want to thank her patrons. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's like, oh my god! It's, it's so more great. than the money to help you do what you're doing, but just the sort of validation that your voice is needed. Yeah. You want it? You yeah. Know, it's I super just, true. It's really it crazy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh wait, you just reminded me when you said touches me. I don't know why that connected oh. to this. <laughs> <laughs> Like they're like, we gotta do this, yeah. and so virtual fair is happening. You can go. You don't have to go to their portals, but there, I think there's something online. I should have brought the the web the um the what am I trying to say? The URL. I'm sorry, but if you go to you go to the unofficial OCF page or even the official OCF page, they will have links and portals to it. But anyway, the point is, is that I will be in a panel this afternoon at two o'clock. Oh. Yeah, girl, I'm going from here to there. Oh, that's cute. Right? It'll be warm. I know, like, because I'm all warmed up on the topic. Yes. So I'm going to be on a panel there. Johnny Lake is going to be um, uh, hosting the panel. And I don't know what that's officially called. Is that hosting? What's that called? Moderating. Uh, moderating, thank you. Okay, I'm moderating the panel. I can already tell this episode is about to be messed up because I do not have vocabulary today. This morning. Like, I'm like, what like, word? word. So, like, some days you're just so articulate, and others you're you just okay, can't like, Today's show 
is going to be about being biracial and trans adapted in this movement. And I am here with the lovely Sheree Gatson <laughs> and the lovely Sweden Martin Nugget. Yeah, so here we are. Um, and uh, yeah, let's jump into it. I realize that my notes are over there, and so. Um, um, I did not get the chance to speak and say something. Oh! oh. oh. I know. Okay. It's important to me that I say that. I just do. want to say congratulations to you oh, okay. because this is amazing. It's and really I have been a longtime listener. And so to see you come from like where you started to here in your own space, like it's inspiring. It's oh. amazing. And as black women, like this is what we need to see more of. Right? right? So I think that. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. Can you believe I almost skipped that? <laughs> back to my, my original podcast, it's kind of funny. Because I'm literally like, the first one I'm like in my bed, like, and I don't know you, if I'll do it or not. Even you realize how far you've grown, right? It's been it's a while, so, yeah. So well, I mean, it's just been keeping different. it up and always being on time and keeping it up, that's hard. That's, I mean, that's how you get an audience. Right, it's, and it's not, it's not easy. And that's like, why not everybody has a podcast. Everyone yeah. thinks they have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like 10 shows later and they just burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this has been two years and that I started, I think. Is it two years? Or a year and a half or so. It's been not like as it's been getting more popular. That's only been the last few months, right? right. So that people are like, oh, you got popular so quick. It's like, actually, I was doing it. Right. You know, that's how like, overnight you know. success. I was, right? I was doing it on my phone, like, you know, in the restaurant, like, talking to myself. <laughs> that's kind of how I started. <laughs> before we got on, like, we have a very, like, high number of biracial, black and white, you know, families, mm -hmm. and uh, trying to hold on to the black community, or uh, some version of a black community, right? And then we, in the Pacific Northwest, are so kind of shut out from all of the rest. Like, it's just, it's a very unique yeah. situation up here. And so I'm, I'm super happy that I get to be a person who has traveled outside of Oregon, travel to different countries, have very, very revolutionary and intelligent and educated parents, you know, uh, who are still married 54 years later. And so there's a lot of strength that comes behind it. And then I get to be put in a position through however the heavens have put it together that I'm someone who's going to talk about being black in the Pacific Northwest. Because right. it, it's a, you can't just do that and spit it out because it's so nuanced and there's yes. so much stuff that goes there's into so it. Explanation. There's so much explanation. Right. You need it. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of things. I've been here five years. Yeah, so like, and you're from California. Yeah. Oakland, right? That's where you can move um, We were very near Oakland. We were actually in Alameda, which is just like five, they five have that minutes that market. Yes. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're known for. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not pleased with the flea market. <laughs> like, well, yeah. my, my sister, my two, three of my siblings lived in the Bay Area for a long time. So yeah. they took me to the Yeah, I, I grew up kind of all over the place. Honestly. Oh, did you? Like, um, I spent most of my time in California, but my parents were just 
vagabonds. We moved kind of all over. Yeah, you mean all over California? Just all over the world? All over mm, the state? Not so much the world, mm -hmm. the country. Mm -hmm. um, I've lived in several different places, which has given me several different experiences. Right. right? Just because where we are and where we grew up informs us as mm -hmm. people. Right, yeah. So, yes, I did live in California where it's a cram box, you know. Right. I, it's so great because you see all kinds of people, not just your people. Yes. Which yes. is, let me tell I you, think essential, probably but. the hardest thing that I've had to deal with mm -hmm. living here is just not seeing my people. Right. Um, but California is so diverse that, that that's probably like the thing that I've just missed the most is seeing all people of all colors. Right, know? right. So you you're, you're moving here. in here five years. Years, five years. Wow, that's really new. I mean, yeah, honestly, five years in December. You're probably yeah. still all the time having these WTF moments. Like. Oh my gosh! Yes, that's <laughs> what I'm it's like a light bulb went off when you said that because. Right, and, and you. Okay, so so. Oh no, something's going on here. Okay, I don't know what that was. Did you see that You're, flash? I think he was laughing. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm not thinking about the audio. I was thinking about the camera, like something happened. Okay, anyway. I did see the you, Did you see that? Okay, hopefully we're still, I, it looks like we're still going. Yeah, there's so. taking a yeah. picture of us. There's still, oh, there's still. Tell us so we can post. Yeah, 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 no, that's great. Um, okay, so you just moved here five years ago. And I say just because it, five years in Oregon can be like, you know, like Twilight Zone. It's so, eye-opening. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. I mean, and what you just said about, like, the fact that it's, there's no representation or that it's so few. I've seen white folks move up from California and be like, where are the brown folks? Where yes. are the black people? Yeah. And it's uncomfortable for them because they're like, I don't see anybody but white folks and that's kind of weird. Like, how did that happen? And that just, to them, is like an automatic, like, like red flag of like, how did you keep brown people out of here? Like, you know what I mean? Well, and, and, so, and I think that that is kind of the question is like I honestly did not know the history of Oregon before I moved here. Right. And you of course Right. Of course I've become I've become educated because mm -hmm. of I'm realizing like holy shit, there are some racist people around right. here. Like really racist and it's disturbing and right. I've i I've never been through that. Like even in all of the whitest white places that I've grown up, like here in Eugene, which is crazy, because Eugene is kind of this bubble, right? Yeah. But all of these like little Bowdog towns around Eugene. Right. It's just I didn't think yeah. about. Oh, there are still those towns that exist. There. And a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And then you're from. Oh, we, you've yeah. been on my show before. She's a veteran. She's been here. It's your first time. She's been here before. I really am. Um, and you are from oh, Eugene, yeah. and you yeah. are biracial, and you are adopted by uh, trans. Uh, adoption, right? Transracial. Yeah. Transracial adoption. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So that I wanted to be clear from the perspective view, and I just grew up here until I was fifteen, which you know is a pretty. Uh, it's very. It's when you think about child development yes. to be from born to fifteen. There was a lot of things that I had to undo at when I left here and then came back when I was 31. Right. So it was like a lot of the, the very core foundational things was a, very, a battle between my very black household mm -hmm. and my very white, you know, um, peers and teachers and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, so we all have this kind of yeah. jump for yeah, resistance. Yeah, we're still undoing, I'm still undoing a lot of damage while oh, still absolutely. having the damage. Mm -hmm. like the, right, you know, yeah. So it's, but it's, I definitely have more tools to deal with it. I think that's a good point that you're saying that when we were talking about damage inflicted because that was a conversation we were having yesterday before the show was that I want to talk more about the damage inflicted during an uprising to people uh, that are biracial who are who are trying to stand in this 
in this moment and right. in this uprising and be for their people and at the same time their people's both sides right sort of, yeah mm -hmm. so and and um i i don't want to over make it seem bigger than it is like i don't feel that questioned you know what i mean mm -hmm. i don't feel unwelcome in the movement or anything like right. that mm -hmm. um, but it's just something to be mindful of in terms of mm -hmm. you know kind of figuring out where your lane is and where your voice is best used mm -hmm. kind of so it's um and because it's accelerated so much in the last few months, mm -hmm. it's um, it's just more um, intense of a thing to be thinking about. But so I think it's not like we joined the movement when the white people did. Right, <laughs> right, right. We've right. always been black. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From the outside looking in, regardless of how I was raised, like I was black. Mm -hmm. Right. My right. drop rule made me black, and I'm black. Right. Well, you so look black. You look black. I too. look black too. Yeah. Right. And I mean. I have never been more white than in Eugene, Oregon. So this is like the <laughs> Oh, you mean literally because of the sun? The sun, yes. like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, and so I have the- And you're still brown and I am. You know, you know what I'm saying though? Oh, like when I, when I was like, in California, <laughs> right. when I was in California, the sun, sh the sun shine all the time. So yeah. it was so much darker. Mm -hmm. But because I was adopted at two days old um, by a white mother and a Mexican father, um, I was raised in a white, home right white-ish white home yeah, you know? right. yeah exactly -ish. exactly yeah um was your dad culturally Mexican? like did he was yeah my dad was very culturally mexican so the one thing that i was thinking about yesterday after a conversation was although i didn't have um black culture wasn't a part of my life um at a young age there are lots of similarities between yes. black and mexican culture yes like big families mm -hmm. you know and so food, food yes. and yeah Seasoning. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Could you just seasoning? seasoning? <laughs> Lots of seasoning. Right? Well, it's just that it's it's that majority. It's kind of like that, um, not majority, I meant the minority, the oppressed. The, the, we, a lot of times we try to act as if there's so, these cultural differences are so huge. But the mm -hmm. truth of it is, is like being black and brown in the United States, because we're oppressed by the yes. same systematic oppression, we have a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. We're trying to hold ourselves together. Yes. Big families. Mm -hmm. Lots of names, lots of cousins, lots of the, you know, lots of food. Mm -hmm. Celebrations are big. You know, we talk loud, we joke loud, we Absolutely. do all right. Like and, and and so I got a glimpse of that. Mm -hmm. So it it wasn't so much of I didn't get glimpses of it, but I was never I was lacking in identity and the fact that I had no one to communicate that was like me. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I I had a white person, I had Mexican, I had all kinds of colors, you know, but. Never, and I don't think that was something that my parents were intentional about. Mm -hmm. And like, mind you, this was a long time ago, obviously. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't think, I think now it's much more well known that mm -hmm. you, if you are um, a biracial person and your parents are not the same color as you, it's known that you need to take an extra step nowadays. Right. I, I think more so than it was back then. Um, so I don't want to, don't, I don't want to do, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Say that my parents were, you know, not doing the right thing. Right, right. But now, as I'm grown, I look back and I'm like, well, maybe they could have done something. Yeah, they've done yeah. more. More, right, you know? right. Because they were wonderful parents, but I grew up lacking an identity. Right. You know. Yeah. And so I think that's something that we need to talk about. 
that's interesting because when you're saying lacking an identity, mm -hmm. that's interesting because the identity which they were trying to give to you just never fit. Exactly. Yeah, and so right. they're like, I gave it to you, like you just had to put it on, and you're like, it doesn't fit me. Right. Like this coat does not fit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they're like, just, just, just button it. And you're like, I can't do it. Right. <laughs> right? right. You had an identity, like probably an identity that wasn't solid. Yeah, I just, I think I always felt the need for more, mm -hmm. right? I, I knew, and it's funny because we talk a lot about adoption being the need to know your adoptive parents or your mother. For me, that's not it, what, not what it was at all. Mm -hmm. There was a void and it was... It was cultural. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. It was cultural. And, you know, listening to black music and giving me a black baby doll, that's not the same thing right. as being able to connect with yeah, someone that experiences yeah. the same things you go through. Because I was experiencing mm -hmm. racism as a young child, but then when I would go home, my parents would tell me that all everyone's equal mm -hmm. and it was like the whole colorblind thing right thing, right like if you if you raise your children that way you are setting them up for failure Fail, like, mm -hmm. straight up, well, straight up. up and that's failure. true of the white parents raising yes. white children it, as well yes. you're setting them up to because the colorblind era in the 90s was yeah. so yeah. Yes. And, it's, and that's one of the things that really persists. Mm -hmm. with and that's when I was raised. I was yeah. born in 88. I was raised in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll, in, during my very, um, I would say, formative years, so like early teens, 12 and 13, I was actually in Iowa. Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> Iowa. Like, if there's any worse place in Oregon, it's Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I kid you not that I was maybe one of two black people no, in that two. whole school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it school. felt like to me. Right. Yeah. similar numbers. Right, and these I, were I years. Would, yeah, I would think these so. were years that you know I'm going through puberty. I'm developing. I, I am, and I'm getting all of that media that's telling me that you should look like a white person. Your hair should be straight. Yeah, yeah. You know, you should act this way and not that way. You shouldn't be loud. You should be respected. And it's like. You know how deep this goes? Like, I, I'm thinking, and our experience is like, I'm just thinking how psychologically deep this goes when it comes to like trying to, to defend your blackness in a, in a moment of uprising like this. Is like the deep, how deep the psychological damage goes into being like, um, understanding that white supremacy is telling us that not only are you not acceptable the way that you are, but here are the things that you are acceptable being, and in those things you are still second or third or fourth. And even then, you know, um, thanks for trying to relax your hair, but we know every six weeks you're going to have to put some more money back into the system right. to keep it going up, mm -hmm. blah, 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 right, you know? So the, the deep part of it is is that even in at home, even at home, the situation is being where your existence as a black person, that part of you, is still outside of your home. Mm -hmm. You're not even, the, in the home itself is that it's not black. There's no reflection of blackness in your own home, mm -hmm. which means you are already in your home, outstanding of your home. So it's kind of like that psychological distance from being able to connect to your parents or connect to your siblings or connect to um, the, the world as a black person is pretty much your own. Mm -hmm. And then when you say like supporting your people talk about giving the black dolls and giving the black, it's like that's all great and dandy, but if you're not accepting blackness, then, it, then you're still othering your child. You're still going, this is for you, it's not for me. And that's a real damaging thing. Now it would be different and I, uh, that if you 
as a person was not thinking, I mean, as a family, we're not thinking of blackness as something other than normal and other than what you do every day. Because I don't know about you, but I go see white movies all the time. I go see, I listen to white music. I, I have, you know, yeah. we do white things, you know. But when we don't see white folks appreciating black culture in a way that they're not trying to take from it, mm -hmm. you don't see that. Like I don't go to a black movie. I'm sorry to yeah to a uh, like a black movie here and when um, and see like a ton of white people even here. Like the, right. to me the 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 it would be like there's just a lot less people there. You know what I mean? It's just a lot less. Right. Even when I went to go see um, Black Panther, and I say that's a black movie because of the cast and the thing. That's a black movie. Well, I mean, because the people oh, who the budgeted budget it wasn't black. black. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But everyone who created it yeah. was black. But anyway, so that, to me, I was sitting in the middle of that movie getting a whole different message than the white person next to me was getting, right? Mm -hmm. And if that is your household, it's like, that, I mean, if that's how you're growing up and your parents and your parents and your family are not understanding that, when you have a black person in your household, you actually have a black household. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Right. I Otherwise, guess, uh, you're othering your black person. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely true. I mean, I think for me, I had an advantage of being one of five children. Uh huh. And so there was a, a you know solidarity within that. And within the, the within the know, siblings. Yeah. 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 And it's not like um, I mean, our early life was pretty chaotic, and and it wasn't you know it was just be trying to survive. Mm hmm. Um, but we all took in very different messages about blackness, right? And and we and it was sort of a, um, a free for all, right? And, and as a result, our five racial identities are not the same. Interesting yeah. enough, right? But you were talking about passing as black, right? Because we were talking about your phenotype, like you were saying, she looks black. I look. I black. think she looks black. Yeah, I no, she, uh, to me, yeah, yeah, I would never. I, mean, I wouldn't. It's, there's always a debate of whether or not I'm yeah. like. Yeah, mixed. mixed. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. or a Latina, yeah, yeah, or some yeah. type of Hispanic, uh, and I've gotten that all my life. Right. So. I mean, when someone refer, okay, so she does. My I hair. am white. I am black. <laughs> She's amazing hair artiste, um, and so she did my hair. And the first time that someone told me about you. I was like, is she black? Because like, I mean, because I don't tell me somebody can color my hair and they want to be all up in my grill and, oh, they're, no. and they're not black. And I and honestly, I was like, is she black? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, where's she from? Because I, I mean, if she's from here, I still got more questions. Yeah. And if she's not from here, then maybe we're good. That's, and normally, that's, the, my, that's normally the next question. That's like, my I'm a hairstylist, so I get it. And right. like, black people have every right to ask that question. Right. And it's, it's, us, it's us as a salon industry to meet them halfway and right. expect that us to have to do some work to tell you why we can do your hair yeah. because of what we've experienced right. and what I've experienced and you've experienced going to salons. Yeah, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. like, uh, well, you know what? I've been really good because the first time I went to a, uh, I went to a salon here when I was, was first getting my hair permed and, and my mom did not let me perm my hair or straighten my hair until I was 14. Mm -hmm. So I, it was at someone's house here and she's a black woman. I can't remember her name and I think she still does hair from Kitchen her house. Salon. Uh, yeah, that's and so, and then you don't remember her name. I know. You're not supposed to do that. Well, I mean, which is so messed up because it's like you you don't have service in the public, and then like oh, we know. all that's how we do go. Oh, I know. It's I always know. in yeah. the house. I mean, that doesn't apply to I mean, hair, I, but I know. Even me coming from a white home, like my mom had to take me to black people's houses to get that, my hair done. That's how we had to get our hair done. So it's like, yeah, it's not supposed to happen, but that's how it happens. But otherwise, we wouldn't get it done. So she was in the house, right? And so I, well, I was 14, so I moved out here at 15. So all my hair salon experiences were black in the South, right? And so they were Which great. Which is a very different 
experience. I have great hair experience there, mm -hmm. right? So when I came back here, I was not about to let someone yeah. else mess with my hair. That's why I came at it. I was, That's you know, why you moved here. It's actually a very valid part of this conversation because yesterday after we spoke on the phone in preparation, yeah. we were, you know, you asked us to think a little bit more about it. And right. so I did and I was like, you know what, I'm in a very unique position in the fact that I was raised in a white home. So I'm uniquely positioned to speak to white people, to access white people like I do. Right. But I'm also uniquely positioned to um, to understand what that little black girl is going through. Right. You know? Yeah. So that is, in part is, I feel, is a big part in, in the movement. And because yeah. hair is such a big part yeah. of, of our identity. And huge. even more as black people because we're so shunned for it in mm -hmm. society for mm -hmm. having hair that grows out of our head like it does. Yeah. It's something we can't control. Right, right. right? And, and shouldn't have to. And, and for me, I don't. To. My hair straightens really easily mm -hmm. and it's more of a texture like white people. Mm -hmm. And I, for a long time, felt like my hair really excluded me. It was like a disqualifier. Yes, from black yes, yes. Yeah. And that was so interesting. And I, and I, and I, but I kind of, that was one of the things I really kept to myself mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, complaining you're too thin or something. Like, right. It, right. it's a, pay, a source of pain exactly. and interacting with, like, white beauty standards and right. stuff like that, that I felt like I would sort of, hair that took up space and hair that right. I, I would just get like, that's so It's always like that thing. It's like that thing of, like, everyone wants the, the other person <laughs> has. Like, I when I was little, I would have died for hair like yours or yours, and I, the whole time I'm going, Mom, please change my hair. And she's like, nah, you're going well, to you have to love it before we do anything to it. Yeah, <laughs> and the she reality of so doing that. Yeah, you totally And we should all love what we are born, you know, like, and it's, yeah. you have to extra emphasize that message when the rest of the world is not echoing that message. Yeah. Right. And that's part of why I didn't make that a big deal, because it's like, my hair is still rewarded in society. Like, nobody's questioning it or, or right. or, you know, I could go to any salon and things like that, and that's like an element of privilege that comes from my white blood. But right. if you want to talk about that as a compliment, you're literally talking about the rape in my lineage. Right. So it's like I don't, I'm not proud of it or anything. Like right. That. I'm right. Not, I'm not like, look at my hair. I watch this. Like, just look, look at this comb. Like, yeah. You know, it goes like, it goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> like my hair reminds me of rape. Like I'm honest. It's not wow. like a self hatred. It's just like this is where it came from. Mm -hmm. And because there were not any white people on my black side, you know documented ever. Oh, ever. Wow. Like, yeah. Up until my mom and dad. Yeah. You know? So that means all of that white blood came from slavery. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, and they just, I don't know, the whole story of tones and stuff with like old pictures and things right. like that. But it clearly, my father, who has two black parents, mm -hmm. is not like full-blooded African. Right, right. Yeah, oh, yeah no, completely. Yeah. Exactly. So, and um, yeah, actually, probably similar to your complexion. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. You can look. He looks kind of like Bob Marley. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Marley thing about him, but that's um, Bob Marley's mix. You know? Yeah, no, he is. He's biracial. He's biracial. <laughs> but um, so I think that that is something that to talk about the proximity to whiteness, being that you guys are both in in white, you know, families, being that the parents, uh, uh, the mothers, the household was not functioning as a black household, was functioning right. as a white household, um, and so. 
that when we were talking about the abuse that happened within this movement mm -hmm. for people who are seeking out information, white folks who are seeking out validation, who are seeking out, um, you know, someone to listen to the white tears, someone to listen <laughs> to the guilt, some, and then you've got a biracial friend, you've got a biracial daughter, son, whoever, and so all of a sudden this abuse of, of um, and I say abuse because it's an onslaught of like, uh, you know, validate me, validate me, and, I, and you're balancing, you're like, okay, so I have to hear you and all the things that are super not relevant, and then I'm over here being attacked on the other side because I'm trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And you're, not that you're not talking about my survival or caring about how I'm doing, that but that so I can, that, yeah, but that I can help you get through yours. Yeah. And then, like the person who told you, you no. know, like I mean, yeah, it was just like, like I wish that somebody would talk to me, or that the people could be. Black people could be visibly Wait. willing to talk to oh. people. Oh, we you gotta know? bring this up. We're talking. Oh, should we not? I, I mean, that was like, okay, Kelsey, I can't even describe it without here, saying here, it. Okay, here, so here's <laughs> what I'm trying so, to do. So this, is, <laughs> this is a specific story of a white inboxing situation. And what came up right away was my white conditioning. Yes. Like, I was like, oh, he meant so well. I want to protect him. Yes. Da, da, da. But what he did yeah. was so I, messed I, up. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to share so people don't do this kind of thing. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, this poor guy. Okay, so before you do this, then let's do this. I don't know that he listens or not, but let's preface this. This is not to be shaming anyone. Right. But this is to be a learning situation. Education. This is educational. Right. I mean, I think last week someone heard our opinion about something, didn't listen to the whole opinion, and decided that we were attacking them. And do what you want. But I'm trying to say right now that everything that I'm saying you could, should be taken as this is my white conditioning going, you can listen, you can learn from me, and not pay me yes. to do that, and do the, because, you know, and you spend my because time. Because for so long, we were conditioned to do that, right? I grew, for 18 years, Yeah, I really had no access to black people, and so I grew up having to make other people feel comfortable. All the time. And so even now, I check myself, because yes. I'm like, wait, am I doing too much? Yes. Because at some point, they need to be held accountable. And this is what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Just by saying this is like is me trying to help white folks be comfortable with the conversation, mm -hmm. which is really more than I want to do. But I'm it's because I, at, it's the level. It's because this person is knows you and that you're friendly yeah. with them, and, and because I'm not trying to exactly. spend all my the rest of my week. I got work to do, you know, to trying to defuse angry people on my line on my you know. Right. So so all I'm going to say right now is as we're doing this, that this is not an attack. Take the information, learn from it, right? Because right? this is really our space, and I'm not trying to, to change our space for their comfort. And we're right. not putting so, it on them either. We're super not, so okay? I'm like super not. They well, I am not worried about the people who take time out of their day to listen to your show because right. they're already they're probably further yes. along in yeah, absolutely. Like, maybe not being one of these people. Yes, I absolutely. Um, but... When it's when in the aggregate, like you as a white person might think, oh, I just have this little idea. I want to just share it with somebody, you know, who's a comfortable, semi, you know, approachable black person. I can right. run this idea approachable. by. Approachable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I air quoted that, by no. the way. Approachable. We're approachable because we are lighter skin. No, that's the truth. Yeah. No, Part of that is like the hard. So truth. for me, it's the the ambiguity, the mm -hmm. light skin. But I've also opened that up mm -hmm. by being very. I'm a, I am a writer and I've 
been in communication. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've opened the platform. So I accept like a certain level of that. Right. Um, the inboxing though is if you're not, if we've never really hung out in person, you should not probably be inboxing. Um, <laughs> like I think that as a general rule. That's, a, that's where her line is. <laughs> I don't know you. I love that she's like, she's saying inboxing. Right. Oh, oh. It's a, you know what? Someone else grilled me about saying I am in the other day. Did we need to watch it? They're like, it's DMs. So that was like, oh. You know what? It's like boxing to me. I'm like, are you trying to start a fight right now? Because like you're inboxing me. So the example was the example was that this person felt like they want to know more. They don't know who to talk to, and they want black folks to literally wear a sign or a button or something, t-shirt that says, "White people, you can talk to me. I will answer your questions." Right? And the the problem with that is a lot. There's a lot of problems with that. And I sent an inbox voicemail, so he might have been. I could read more in the tone. And oh, you're talking, he called you? No, he, in, in yeah, Facebook, the, you can send like a voice Oh, memo. right, okay. So okay, I, yeah. I'm listening, so I can hear more of the tone. It wasn't a joke, exactly, but it was kind of a, like, I don't know what to do, but he says, I want to listen, and then he immediately throws out his own idea. Like, that's not how you listen, mm -hmm. first of all. Right. Uh, but he's like, I'm ready, I want to listen, I, I'm hearing that we need to listen to black people. It seems like a new concept. Oh, hello! Oh, as, 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 like, um, as of June, we're supposed to be listening to you guys, so here I am. And this is not, this is what I would call a good white person, you know? Mm -hmm. like somebody who cares and want, and is an empathetic and per person trying to like uh, see things outside of his own experience. But the amount of entitlement that it would take for to to even just approach someone like that. and. And and he also even put volunteer in like he he in the very framework of his idea it was a voluntary position right so know, it was not paid no and, but I think that what happens is that you know obviously people are working through privilege and they and they're still trying to figure out what that is mm -hmm. and they're still trying it's like like I always say to people it's like telling the fish that the water's wet like they mm -hmm. still are trying to figure out well how how was that route like I said it would be voluntary like I said that they could do it this way. Not even seeing that they're directing how the black person can behave and giving them their trauma to you so you can learn from it. Right. Not even catching that that in itself is traumatic and like in the in the very in the very same vein of colonization. And you will do what I need you to do so that I can get what I want from yeah. you. Mm -hmm. And not only will I suck an hour and a half of your life away, I will not compensate you, reciprocate you, or give any reparations for the trauma that that right. would take for you to rebuild the energy that it took for you to have this absolutely racist conversation, yeah. right? It's going to be a racist conversation. It's going to be a racist conversation. And I mean, I, I do anti-racism consultations. Like, I, I am a consultant doing that work. And because I am the facilitator, mm -hmm. that gives, um, it switches the dynamic. Yeah. But when you're talking to a friend, and you're going, this is what you're going to have, and I'm not going to pay you for it, and you're going to do it the way I can hear you, mm -hmm. you're, you're, first of all, abusing your friendship. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you're also abusing the idea that um, that, that time is worth anything. You can hire someone to yeah, give like you that does, information. Like what does the you black person read. get out of that conversation? Right. You know, it's, it's draining. It's, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's 
because it's, it's tired. Because anybody yeah. who needs to have that conversation mm-hmm. already doesn't have a black friend. You know, right. already. You well, know, maybe you are the black friend. Well, the so they're not even seeing you. That's a volunteer program where you wear a button and that you're now the world's, the community's black friend. Yeah, I know, because they're not. They don't need your friendship. They need your information. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. So that's how abusive it is. It's like they don't even need to intimately know how how this affects you. They just want what you have well, and your information. I answered that by saying uh, I'm not sure where you would find the volunteers. Right. I don't know who would volunteer for that. That's a, I mean, that's that's a great answer. That's true, right? right? A very diplomatic answer. It's, yeah, you're good at that. What you're I so good say, at that. What and that's, that's it's the truth. I'm like, who tr- would do that? What? So we're in this unique position <laughs> this where goes back white, to this. white yes. people feel comfortable coming to us. Right. Right. And so I keep saying I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do it anymore. But we talked about this last night. Yeah. I feel a sense um, of obligation right, right, to do it, right, right, because I have seen firsthand the ignorance that a lot of these white people have, mm-hmm. and it, it is exactly ignorance. They don't even know. They don't even yeah. know. Yeah, they don't yeah. even know. Right. And they don't know that they're being harmful. Right. They don't know that they're being offensive. Right. That's why you should do most the initial listening where you can't harm anybody. Yes. Just go to a platform where you are strictly the listener. Like here. Like if One of my friends exactly. commented when I posted that we were doing this last night. She said, I love that show. I watch oh, cool. I listen every week. It's like it's like sitting in on a conversation with friends where your job is just to listen. That's right. And it's like, well that is exactly what it is and and you don't she doesn't take anything from us right. by doing that. Right, know? right. But this is also a person who's at least five or six years into her anti-racism work. Right. At least. Well, this is what, I mean, that's, that's what I was saying about, the, about your guys' positions. It's like, this is your family. Yeah. So at this, or and not that what I was describing is only your family, it's everybody who's not doing the, the actual work to get the information. Right. But it's that need to be like, well, I guess I am that person. But I, exactly you know. this, because right. if, if I don't do it, who else are they going to go out and damage, right? Who else... If it's if it's You're me, taking one for the team, Sheree. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing those because I've already dealt with all of that trauma, and I am confident in a, in who I am today as a black woman. But what happens if I don't educate them, and then they go out in the streets and talk to some younger black people or a younger black little girl or boy, and they damage them? Right. And they they put trauma on them. Right. For. For they, what they don't realize is their entire life. Well, I wonder how many black people who aren't from the Pacific Northwest realize that the position of mixed folks being in the circumstances that you both are here are looking at it, the ones who are conscious, looking at it in that way of like, I'm trying to protect uh, black, black people too black people. by like not allowing oh, this to happen that is, outside that's my exactly house. What it is. That is that's exactly what it is, and that's why it's like, okay. Uh, you can be aware of your privilege and not announce your privilege to the whole world. Right. You don't have to tell everybody, I'm answering this because I'm privileged or whatever. Right. But maybe you've got a little bit of gas in your tank that day because yes. it's been like three days since racism. Right. Or, or something. Yeah. 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 That's like, such a valid point. Because right. some days I'm like, fuck this. I wake up and I'm like, fuck this world. Right. Yeah, don't yeah. talk to me because I'm going to go off. Like, you know, yeah. and some days I'm it's like, okay. Hot, yeah. I'm a little more, I wake up more calm on the right side of the bed, and it's like, okay, today's another day. You know, let's hit the ground running, like, let's fight the fight. Right, like people who are like, days without white nonsense, zero. I'm like, oh, it's been two days. I'm fresh legs, I'm ready. I'm gonna go in there, and I'm gonna try to help, you know? And it's, 
with people who you know they can learn. Like, yeah. you know, you invest in the people who aren't just going to fight, aren't there to fight with you. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I spent a lot of years in Texas, in Houston, um, with my girls who really don't even understand their impact on my life. You know, they have no idea what it meant for me to be there and, like, see people with my body, see people with my skin problems, see people with my hair problems. See, like, it was like a, you know, it was like a, I have friends, too. Not just my parents, but it was like, everybody's doing, like, everybody's in this conversation with me. But I, going back to, like, this, this idea, I've always been even down there. No, do you guys want, you want to eat some more? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, no, I'm just like, yeah. Are they being taken away? No, they're no, saying, I just didn't no, it's totally fine. Okay. So, um, no, so I was like, I am um, listening to the the rhetoric up here in the Pacific Northwest around race. And what's funny is that they're always like, oh, the South, the South is so bad, the South is so bad. I didn't actually ever, not once, not once, in the 10 to 12 years I lived there, like, no, 10 years that I lived there, was assaulted by any kind of racial anything. Soon as I got back here, I'm talking the day I got in, pulled in, and had to pump gas in my car from the long trip that I drove in, I was <laughs> had a racial incident. You know it's what I'm saying? Bad. But I'm pumping gas. You're like, let me pump that. I was in Eugene. I mean, I was in Oregon now, so I'm pumping gas, and as soon as I'm crossing the, the border, it's like, oh, then all this, you know. Oh, okay. But it's just that it's that idea of like up I'm here. Sorry, that's the price Northwest. you pay for not having. No, the idea is like up here in the Pacific Northwest is like this idea around whiteness as if they're, they're doing it right. Like this is the way that we do it. And this is right. Like we're not uh -huh. trying to harm you. Our ignorance is, is actually ignorant. Like we don't really know. So can we be blamed for that? And I'm just saying that like up here, the idea around it is as if there's no work to be done because, you know, we love everybody. And That's where it gets really bad. And they want to blame it down, you know, they want to blame it to the historic, uh, you know, trenches of the South, which I'm not saying isn't true because of course, of right. course, but I can tell you when I go to Texas and talk about political, because po policy, I mean, political at this point is like racist or not, you know what I mean? Ugh. But like, Texas is more blue than it is red. The people with the money vote red, and so it's a red state, right? Here, this state is more red than it is blue, and the in people terms of geography, right? Areas. And I mean that it's like mm -hmm. the, in terms of how the state comes through. Like mm -hmm. it, the the reason why we vote blue is because the money and the people and the population. Mm -hmm. But the state mm -hmm. is this is a red damn state, you know? And so the and you don't know that as a transplant. No, in, you don't. You don't know that. They do well, a job of not showing that. My family, both my aunt and my mom had black partners when they came to Oregon mm. and they came from the Midwest and my black uncles from Oklahoma just all pretty much all black people in his world married a white woman and my mom met my dad in the Midwest but he's from Texas mm -hmm. and so they came basically as hippies mm. and it was sort of post-civil rights movement po you know yeah. in the whole era of like um, cults and communes and free mm -hmm. thinking mm -hmm. and you know the Grateful Dead. And That's how my parents came here, right? Yeah. And so and so it seemed like probably a good idea, right? <laughs> they're like they're like we're gonna free ourselves of yeah. the constructs of yeah, the city, the city life, this thing. Right. Yeah, and came out here to some real fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you see it right now come into a head with um, 
all of those things that the hippies built. The yeah. country fair is racist. Yeah. That, oh. You know, like the. Girl, I'm sorry, you're not. It's nice that you, it's nice that you let them have their fun this week, but I do think maybe next week or the week after you should talk about it. <laughs> oh, I mean, I talk about it all the time. Right, but, but like, have a show about the country fair. Girl, look, tune in at 2 o'clock today because it's about the shit's about to get real. Right. And, and, I mean, you know, and the thing is, is that I'm on the committee, and uh, girl, we talk about this all day. Like, I'm, I'm on the, the diversity committee, and I was on it five years ago, and I'm on it now. And I, what I've done to, to protect myself in that, in that, because I was putting a lot of energy, yeah. and I was getting ignored, mm-hmm. and I was um, wanting to fight back. There's a couple more black folks on the diversity committee now, but now we've got an LGBTQ um, and trans, like, like component there who is who are very very uh pro-black yeah. and so um it's it, to me like um us together now i have i have more backup, people right. and backup yeah, yeah. Right. and then of course all of a sudden like black is you know black trauma needs to be addressed now all of a sudden not that we've been saying it since you know like 1700s but anyway so like the whole idea is that now that the country fair is going well, there might be a race problem, you know, and like maybe we should say something. And then people are going, uh, don't say race. That is racist. <laughs> and so we have, and it goes far, that far back into like, whoa, of hippiedom of this idea of like, if, why do we keep talking about race? That's what's making it yes. worse. That is really where they are. And that is a far right as a idea. whole. Yeah. As a whole. Now, there's yeah. people in there fighting. There's yeah. people in there going, this is shit, this is like, they're trying. You know, but the hippie culture that they are holding so tightly mm-hmm. says no. And the hippie culture is trying really hard to remove context from things and act like you can just start your own thing. Move, remo- oh my God, removing context. That is exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's, and you cannot do that, right? right? And so, I mean, Unless you can you do that. Can if you want to be oppressive. Yeah, if yeah. you want to be, you know, the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, and so it's real. Yeah, and so and that you, I mean, people don't know what we're talking about. The Oregon Country Fair literally brings in fifty thousand people over a weekend every uh, year for fifty years now in the second weekend of July, and it's a complete utopia of hippie um, uh, fuck shit. I went for the first year last year. How did you like it? Um, you know. I don't think I really fully experienced it because I didn't get to do the like whole after hours portion mm, and yeah. all that. So I just experienced it as someone, you know, paying whatever to get in and yeah. a tourist. And I mean, that's the worst experience. God, I have don't want to offend people, but I mean, I didn't get what all the hype well, was. Well, yeah, you wouldn't do that. It's multi-layered. Yeah, it would be yeah. happening right now, and I'm seeing everybody's nostalgia posts. And I've been here's a, here's a way that I cater to whiteness. I have had typed up several Oregon Country Fair spoiler posts and deleted them. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I actually have. I, like, recognize their loss and that Yeah. But at the same time, and I do see the little pockets of people waking up and saying, like, oh, we can't just run over whatever and take whatever culture thing we want. Yeah, the, the Country Fair is laden with, with completely inappropriate and appropriated Native and Indigenous art. Mm-hmm. Um, they the wealth the the stuff that's laid out for Black folks to not be a part of is everywhere. Uh, so Indigenous uh, trauma is like is what the fair is based on. It's it's on Indigenous land. I mean it's just it's just a hot damn mess. There's not LGBTQ are in danger. You know sexual assaults are are not are not taken care of well. All of this is being addressed, 
but it's being addressed in hippie time mm-hmm. and it's being addressed through hippie context. Right. And so it's not only is it slow moving, it's almost fucking moving backwards. And so it's like it's but we're but here we are with pressure. Now there's pressure and they, not that they needed pressure from the indigenous folks and the black folks and the and the LGBT community and trans community because they were getting that the whole time. Mm-hmm. But now it's societal pressure right. to say where do you stand? And so now we're having these conversations. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember why we started talking about the country fair. But I, I, think <laughs> I brought it up because I wanted to talk about like the well. That's why my parents came to Oregon. Oh, the hippie uh, culture, the, right? Sort of as yeah to the counterculture to yeah. be part of starting something new. Like mm-hmm. we don't like how either of our parents. My black dad doesn't like how his parents raised him. Right. My, you know, just get away from whatever 50s style start parenting right. and then start anew. And I, I am, I, whatever consequences that decision meant in my life, you know, here I am. And it's not like I've never gone anywhere, but I've never been part of any other culture, right. any other cities, mm-hmm. you know. And um, the hippie, the white hippie mentality to me, feels a lot more violent than the regular sort of redneck ignorance that, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, because it's pervasive and it's not straightforward and you have you don't know when you're in danger, you don't know when they're being nice, they don't know when, when they're being nice, are they luring you into something? Right. Like, I mean, honestly, because down south, mm-hmm. I white folks who didn't like black folks, it was clear. Yeah. Black folks who didn't like white folks, it was clear. And BT-dub, it wasn't separated, actually. We actually do everything together with civ- with the southern civility, yeah. but we just don't mess with each other. Yeah. But if I need my burger and you and the white dude is serving it, I'm not going to be like, I won't take it from that white dude. No, I'm going to be like, thank you very much, civil, yes. I'm going to do about my business. Yeah. That's how that works. I don't need his, I don't need anything from him, he don't need anything from me. We are doing yeah. this. That's, how, a that's lot of how it rural. goes. Yes, they, that's how a lot of rural Oregon feels to me. Really? It's that's because like, you are passing. Okay. I'm so, telling you, it's violent. So it still feels uncomfortable, but so this I is I had someone follow me in rural Oregon so close that I had to, I could have bumped them with my elbow. Okay. I think he was really trying to have me bump and all, with the elbow. And I also know that, that, there, that <laughs> there's like um, white nationalist groups and militias and all these things, but as far as like the just stopping in a store for five minutes and leaving, which is the extent of my interaction with rural Oregon, yeah. mm-hmm. it's felt more like you're not from here separate but I didn't necessarily and it is probably because of that. And you don't you're not scared when you stop I, don't, I mean I don't, okay. I don't I don't I would say I'm scared sometimes yes. Yeah. I will not. I, I, I don't but, and so maybe that's the difference is like not. the violence of the people who have access to you mm-hmm. to actually tell you all their thoughts versus right. just passing through. Yeah. So you know I can see um, that I can see that. But yeah, I've never felt like comfortable in a rural organ. Could you know what you? Yeah, I mean, I can't. I can't <laughs> I don't see just, you like, as a person like, as, now that I know you. Like, yeah. I don't. I can't see. I see that you. Your blackness for you is very much present for you, and like you're super aware of how people see you at the same time, and then you're like kind of balancing that almost all the time. Well, it's be hard. To which do is well, okay. So one time hard. I was at a store in rural Oregon, and they there was a group next to me, and the the person. I couldn't understand what the person working at the store was trying to say to me, because they're like, um, there was this other party being served first, yeah. and he kept trying to get me to do something, and I'm like, they're first, you know? And then I realized he thought I was with them, and it was this group of Asian tourists. <laughs> <laughs> in a group 
through with the two of you to rural Oregon, I would feel a little less safe than yeah. with my white yeah, husband. Yeah, yeah. Because what I thought about when I when I said that's because you're passing, I I, I said that and then I, as soon as I said that, I was like, well, maybe it's just because you're comfortable in that dynamic. Not it may not be. Though. Yeah, I exactly. Don't think they're gonna lynch me. But I think in this but, type right. of thing, this type of thing, if you are a white parent or whatever color you are raising. A black child, like this, is the kind of stuff that you oh, have white to people, be aware white of. Yes. Just take right. their black kids without thinking into these this settings is the stuff where they're about to get assaulted. By yeah. them. And they don't even yeah. see it when the black kid goes in and they get the stairs. The white parents don't see that. No, the they don't see but it. I was that kid and I noticed it. Yeah. I felt it. So yeah. all those other little black kids are doing it. So right. I think, and we were talking about this yesterday, is my advice to all of the parents who you know have different color babies, be intentional about who you put your children around. Right. I am a black mother raising a black daughter, and I'm still intentional. Yeah. I still make sure that she is surrounded by empowerful women and black women who are going places, not just black women, black men who are showing her what true black men right, are and, right. and who they are in yeah, the world, you yeah. know? I, just as you're saying that, I was just thinking how I talked, like, because the movement is, is a, upon us, right? Like, all this, this, this very visceral black, like, awareness is all around us, mm -hmm. right? And so... My my daughter, who is uh, beautiful, my youngest daughter. Yeah, tall, I mean, is, all your kids are beautiful. Thank you. The girl, like, this girl's got like her hair is just all the way to her mm -hmm. waist and just big, yeah. right? Like Diana, like Diana. big, but with curl, like it's just big. So when she walks in the room, she's noticeable. Mm -hmm. uh, she's very chocolate brown, mm -hmm. about five seven, you know, and she just walks in and she's just as sixteen as she can be, right? Mm -hmm. But. Um, she'll tell me something about her friends, and I'll be like, "Are they white?" And she's like, "Mom," and I'm like, "No, I need to know." Right? And then I would tell her, like, let me let you understand where they're coming from in the context of what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. And only, like, in the last year or so, since we went to Texas and then came back from Texas, that she now understands what I'm saying. So when, yes. so now when she tells me, the first thing she says is, this girl is white and then, <laughs> right? can you? Yeah, and now it's coming from a different context because the, the, the awareness around black trauma and that's what this movement is about. Like, the, like police brutality. This is not something that happened this year. It did not right. start with George Floyd. Like, you, I, I, Rodney King was before you were born. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's kind of like, well, was it before you were born? Well, you were eighty-eight, so it was ninety-one. Yeah, three or four. Yeah. So I didn't know what was going on. You didn't know what was going on, right? But it's the LA race I mean, I was not in middle school. It was yeah, the LA race It's like this is kind of like this is not something that hasn't been like blown out into the media, into the world, into everyone saying that, hey, we're being killed and yes. we're being stopped and we're being, you know, um, uh, isolated and hurt. We're being, we're not being allowed to go to school. We're not being allowed to do that. I think like, you know? what, what I get a lot is what white people, white people who are approaching me don't understand is that it's not just one isolated incident. They see George Floyd and they say, you know, Sheree, I just don't understand. What's so great about George Floyd? Well, I, well it's, <laughs> I, it's not that, it's just I don't understand why people are still rioting and people are still protesting when, I mean, they got their, uh, yeah. he's arrested, they asked right? for it. Right. He was arrested, justice was served. And I'm like, okay, for one, like, yeah. go Google this shit and read about all of the innocent black people that have right. died. This is not an isolated incident. Well, not to mention they don't that recognize the systematic situation. Well, and I'll be surprised if he actually gets 
convicted. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And that's, that, that's my uh, answer, too, is uh, justice has not been served. Right. They have been arrested. They yeah. have not been charged. And they that were released um, and this back is, home. the system <laughs> that produced that murder is more or less intact. It, you know, and this is the first time I've ever seen major pressure from not just black people, but from yes, when white yes. people are starting to wake up and to say, like, different. we have to help. Like, but that is what the issue is, though, for me, is that now that white people are saying, oh, wait, oh, does it, there's and a problem. we should just be open to educating the whole well, world. Well, that and now all of a sudden are, we're valid. And that to me is because they gave permission for the movement to be valid. Now it is valid. Mm -hmm. That is false. And for my children to like with her friend have to have to now understand that they, when they're trying when white folks are trying to say that this is a valid movement now, and they're not educating their children, that's performative. And my daughter now is put in a place mm -hmm. being in proximity to whiteness to now educate your child which you should be educating yes. but can't educate because you also don't understand the problem because right. you so, don't want to do the work they and, don't yeah. want to do the work there are con there are, like look there's consul there's people who you can call and have consultations yeah. with if you and pay them exactly. there's books that you can buy and read them everything is at their disposal you, it's it has been for it has like, been. Years. that's oh, why it's so 60, 60, 60, and then the Baldwin was when uh, you know what i mean like come on and where did, did and he moved to france Right, okay, okay, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, the fan piece. she graduates when? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, honestly. Um, yeah, the movement has been valid the whole time. It got the name. Yeah. But the movement was before Black Lives Matter. Right. The, you know, for police reform, for, you know, mm -hmm. to reduce brutality. And that was a, like, when you talk about what interfacing with that brutality, when I myself probably won't be ever the victim of it. Mm -hmm. I witnessed my father being in that system. Right. I witnessed my father being arrested. Right. I witnessed my father not get the help he needed. And mm -hmm. there's no rehabilitation in that. It's right. cute. It's you all know, about punishing and hurting. I just realized you having that in your system, and because you don't visibly look black, you don't even get to actually mourn that in a way where black people can even, will unless they know you actually encompass you and help heal you because your reflection isn't reflective of our you know like your experience is not reflective of our movement yet your dad is a black man who was violently arrested you had to witness it so then so there so just being in that that another racial trauma of having a phenotype that doesn't represent that doesn't represent the the lived experience mm -hmm. but yet Having lived experience in your history that isn't directly related to you, but yet extremely directly related to your right. to your consciousness, it's just, I don't and not being able to be, I mean, and there's healed by by our community to do that because of that. That's really jacked up. <laughs> well, I do find healing. You know, it's just hard. It's harder to gain access and trust. That's what know? I mean. Yeah. Um, but any black person I tell that I'm half black, or I know I don't like to say half black. Like I'm black and I'm white. Right. Whole, you know, yeah. <laughs> holes overlaid. Um, they accept it. I do not get um, questioned. Uh, nobody 
thinks I'm lying or anything right, like that. Right. You know, and especially black people who are not from Oregon, uh -huh. they can even see it without me telling. Right. So yes. it's not. I always knew you were black. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People who are not from here usually. Oh, yeah. You know, they're the the old. So let's just say I'm ambiguous. I know that. Uh, um, no people who are not black can guess I'm black. Right. But black people, you know, see it. Mixed. When I tell them, tell them they see it and sometimes see it without. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just context, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. So um, if I'm doing black things or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> just black so, things. so it's, yeah, I mean, truly, really, like, I'd be involved in a black activity. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, it's yeah. so true. Um, and then in a group of white people, I'm just. Whatever mystery, right? And I used to wish I could do, I could be an actress, you know, because I was like, I could be up there with Will Smith as ambiguous Latina. If only I could act, you know. Right, right. <laughs> and that was me, like in my early ages, sort of recognizing the reflection of me is in these like ambiguous people on the screen yeah. and knowing that they have access. I'm like, why is his girlfriend Latina? Like, what? where yeah. did they meet? Like, what is this coming from? Right, you know? that's so funny. That's <laughs> you know? so funny. And, uh, and then later kind of, <laughs> and, then la and then later realizing, I was like, oh, it's like, that's colorism and that's racism and that's, you know, like, yeah. but, but, but noticing it and thinking it was odd, but then seeing myself as part of that. Right. So then I'm like, oh wait, I'm that, I'm the person who has access and mm -hmm. I'm the person who can, yeah. be in these spaces and stuff. Um, so that's kind of putting that position and empowering it. Even, But at the same time, like I'm always concerned about my friends who are in your guys' mm -hmm. positions, especially how thick racism is right now, and meaning that like even the people who are mean, goodwill, they're, they're mean well, mm -hmm. um, but they're, they're the racial... I love, I'm reading, I, um, uh, I read the book uh, Anti-Racism I can't, by Kendi, I can't mm -hmm. even think of, um, a little bit ago. How to be an anti-racist. Yeah, that's right. How to be the anti-racist, and I read I read it a bit ago, like it's been a minute. But one of the things I remember that he said that I was like, yeah, and it was like the terms around racism are given to us by white people as well, yes. and so that term of microaggression is like I get the idea around microaggression, but it's racial abuse, right. and so we got, and this is how we went back to the the light skin being better, dark skin being worse. And I was saying, there isn't, all the abuse is bad, right? And yeah. so, um, meaning back to different style. Trying, trying to quantify, style trying people. to quantify the trauma. Mm -hmm. Like, well, that's a little trauma. No, I it's mean, trauma. I, it's you know? trauma all, all around, but I definitely feel like uh, that if I have the ability to kind of like not draw any attention or then that's privilege, you know? Yeah, and, and, that, and but that's, I mean, think about what you're going, I mean, and I'm totally challenging you with this. But in some ways we are not privileged though, right? Because the fact that we are also bombarded with all uh, of these That's what I was just going to say. You're right. actually so taking we, in maybe trauma we differently. Yeah. Maybe we don't get as much police brutality or being just pulled over for the wrong we reason. We get white latte uh, brutality. <laughs> right, yeah, right. And that's supposed well, to be better. But the truth of it is is that you, not you, but, but, but emotionally, psychologically, but that's what they're saying. <laughs> that's exactly much. what they're saying. Asterisk, but did you die? I'm like, I don't know, a little bit inside every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I don't know. I don't know. That's how, right? They chip away at you a little bit every day. Yeah. So and one day you're just like, fuck it. Yeah, right. And so then it's like, oh, then she's angry, like, now. But, and then it, and then it goes to, but Serena, you're not even that black. But, but like, like she angry? Angry? why would you do that? I like, that too. Why would you do that? I you don't have to. You want to hear, do you want to hear about, really? you were always treating me like I was black. Right. And now you're trying to act like all of a sudden, like, I don't have validity in this movement. Like, right. When, 
Now you're not black enough to be complaining about black stuff. That is, you know, I think that, that, that is why people try to say, could you go back in your bottle, Jeannie? Please, I liked you better before you were talking. Before you were talking about your black side. Like, I think that's how a lot of people still think of me and know me. I won't go into detail. Right. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, but they don't realize that I've spent the past like 12, 13 years of my life becoming more right. and becoming more in tune with my black identity. Feeling more right? free. So <laughs> more what free. you asked yesterday, well, you know, you still have white family. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. And it's it's more of, we just don't talk about we it. We just don't. Mm -hmm. And then you have to do that. Mm -hmm. As if that's not abusive enough, too, yes. to be like, you know what, I guess I just won't talk about my whole feelings. <laughs> my, my whole daughter's experience. My whole husband's experience. My whole husband's experience. Yeah. My whole your experiences, yeah. Who, you, who well, you and are, I've, yeah. I've told a few black people that, or That's white okay. people that maybe they should consider not sharing as many graphic uh, videos of um, police brutality. Right. And I'm saying, like this, if you're just scrolling through and you see this, like going, and I get will get triggered, like it'll derail an entire day. Yes. And I. And I almost feel like talk about system shock. Yeah, 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 because it does go in your whole body and all the weak spots. Like I have a weak shoulder; it'll like yeah. burn. Yeah, and um, and I white people will invalidate me saying that, and I might feel like, well, my black friends also say this. That so then you gotta bring in the yeah. black people. Like, look, look at all my black friends. Sure. That I have right? to right. Never I'm like, that. I'm I'm saying, like this is. Or I'll say like this is pretty well documented uh, complaint in the black community or this is you know it's not just trying me. to justify yeah bring well, in statistics right right <laughs> yeah and then that if they are not seeing me as black in saying this they look somebody brought up Emmett Till and how the civil rights movement seeing the pictures you know that Emmett Till's mother's decision to publish those pictures and I'm like yes that is Definitely not the same topic as this. Right. Like yeah, so there, there was no there was no social media. There was no just like you know, people had to open that magazine and yes, that we do need to look at it, but I personally have seen it live. I do not need to But the context of Emmett Till was that they were they would not have never they do not they did not detail what the atrocity of the body would be. They wouldn't say what happened. And she was like, Look at what you did to my yes. baby. Yeah. And because it, it was that kind of like washing of the it was a whitewashing it was a gentle mm -hmm. like don't talk but the thing about it is like picking, now picking and choosing the parts of the story that they want and she was like look what you guys did look what they did mm -hmm. to my baby 14 year old baby right mm -hmm. but for me i had an argument with a white person and I, it wasn't an argument because i don't do that anymore but i had i t i said stop showing the video i just said stop showing it it's not necessary he said it is necessary i said i'm telling you Right now, as a black woman, we don't have to see the dead body to know that it's valid. Yeah. So the fact that you keep, because like, you have to see the dead body to make it valid, just shows more about your racism and just than it does about my safety. A lack of Take care. Take the video down. Just a lack yeah. of care. It's a lack of care. Right. You, you well, I mean, understanding and empathy. And you know. I mean, like you said, it goes through your body. Like I was telling you about the this hair problems I've been having. That is a direct link to when I was assaulted by police officers. It's literally directly linked to um, immune uh, issues that I've gotten from the po from post-traumatic stress 
And then I end up, okay, so the stress is being healed and I'm going through all this stuff and then now, like, oh, what's been going on? Oh, your immune system is, is weak. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because your, your, this system broke down. Well, what the happened? Why did that system break down? Yeah. Because you were traumatized and then what happened? Oh, four years of change. Like, it's all related. This is five years freaking later that I'm still trying to You're straighten so out my nervous yes. system yeah. from, from the constant onslaught of black bodies while I'm trying to remember that I was lucky I survived. I was lucky my son survived, right? So it's kind of like that, that ongoing. We don't need to see the dead body. You shouldn't need to see the dead body to know it happened. Right. You know what I mean? And well, that, that and whole thing of, sh of, of taking black people and going as commodity and saying this is what happened to the property and this is how we have to do, there was damage done to my property, now I want retribution. Mm -hmm. that, that is what showing the dead body is like. Because there doesn't have to be a dead body for the, for something wrong to have happened. But at the same time, the, <laughs> exactly. the reason that white America's consciousness has woken up now is the videos and like and because they needed to they, see they, the dead body. Yeah, and they needed to, and then and even with the videos, you'll see white people explaining that something else. Uh, was maybe yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, he must have been a criminal. Oh, right. And who they, fucking cares they, if he they, was? He didn't deserve to die. No. Right. Or like they knew each other before. This is an old beef or all this stuff. I'm like, look at his face. Look how casual he is. I'm like, you're making me look at this video and now I have to analyze it for you to explain like, why this is. Now, this how are you guys doing? Do you have to, now you, you said the white family and your family's like, I'm not talking about it anyway. So you don't have to have that direct conversation with them about that but do you and you feel like you kind of have to have because because the access to proximity for you they feel like you know they're like you are my access like you my know. family doesn't do that to me though i mean they, i'm saying just in the proximity oh, white but, folks are but I the, mean, community, you know, you the community i get some really choice special white entitlement yeah like, um the worst recent one was um before that we knew how much the marches were, you know, how much the protests were going to go on yeah. in a sustained way that would create change. I thought it was just going to be another Eugene rally. Right. And I was like, not excited. Mm -hmm. And then we're in a pandemic. So I was sort of ambivalent about it. Yeah. Like the, some of the people organizing it are people I really support. Mm -hmm. Right. So I said, I'm going to, I, I want to figure out. So before the, the big rally that um, at the end of May, this girl, inboxes me and she's like try to get my husband to explain um, or try to explain to my husband that I need to be at this rally at, in terms of the pandemic and I was oh, like I and I'm like just tell him you're your own person and go do whatever you want and then she's like oh but I don't want to fight with my husband okay tell him then don't go keep peace in your house so I'm just trying to make this stop she's got no care at all about how raw this that because it, it wasn't just that week, it was George Floyd, it was Amy Cooper, was and there were tough week. Yeah. yeah, and so on the tail of all that, I'm like not okay. I can't get anything done. I can't do any laundry. I'm mm -hmm. just not okay, and I'm not talking about this on Facebook. Right. But I'm not okay, and I know none of my black friends are okay. I know mm -hmm. that everybody's all of the Facebook activity is in private mm -hmm. or in black spaces, mm -hmm. and. She rolls in with this marriage problem, and I'm like, it's, and so then I say, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter if you're at the rally anyway, which is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like same as, as me, if mm -hmm. I'm there, it doesn't matter. You know, you're one person, that's not where the work happens. Mm -hmm. Like you gotta, she went off on me. Like, because you said it doesn't matter if you're there anyway? Yeah. Oh. So then I, <laughs> I showed some friends the texts 
And I was like, what happened? And they're like, oh, she wanted you to absolve her from going and say she was still a good anti-racist. Right, right, right. And I was like, I missed that entirely, that that was what I was supposed to do. Oh. And then um, she went off about how much, uh, how I'm a bully and how I'm angry and how I have a lot of privilege and went, just dumped all apparently these feelings she's been having for a long time. And I'm just like, how out of it would you need to be to dump this on a black person, any time. type of black person? But you know, you know, I think it's that idea of like, we're trying to get along. We're trying to be here and be like, okay in our day. We're, we are around white people all the freaking time. There's not a space ever, except for when I'm in here, that I'm not around white folks, mm-hmm. right? Even when, well, at home, now there's not white folks, but there sometimes is, like, you know, and so the thing is, is that like, I think with that idea, that we're trying to keep peace yes. to some degree mm-hmm. of like, because we have to function here mm-hmm. and we have to do what we do here. Um, when we decide and we are decidedly not going to deal with this anymore in the way that they want us to deal with it, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're bad. And that's where the, uh, that's the racial abuse, privilege and fragility all intersect together. Mm-hmm. I mean, like for example, the, the person who left a message last week about her her artwork that she did that we all said was good oh, right, right? The video. yeah the video we said it was actually good but i didn't like it and so there so the the thing was, was like oh, well how did, okay. did you did you hear because she was pissed and then she took the video down I, saw that. I don't know why i never said take the video down i didn't say it was a video that shouldn't be played what i said was that you missed a major part of the whole damn se- ceremony and maybe next time be prepared, yes. right? But her, with her fragility, she didn't like the way we sounded mm-hmm. and she didn't like what we were talking about in our conversation about how we felt about a very prominent person in this community being left out of yeah. a very well done video mm-hmm. that would have been actually really cool to have her in it. You know what I mean? I if you would have just speech. been more conscious, that was good. right? More <laughs> conscious about what you were actually doing. It, yeah. It was a beautiful video. And then she took it down and was like, you know, because they didn't, because we criticized it. And the idea was that now we're the bad guys, right? Now all of a sudden we're the assholes because she looked up to us, I'm air quoting that, and she thought that we would have been more gentle or more kind or what. I wouldn't be mean. I said the shit was good. <laughs> I said it was good. And it was. The music was on point. The interview was on point. The quality was beautiful. You were trying to do Juneteenth, you missed it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's you know what I mean? Lily Reynolds is up there. I, I, I watched her live, and I was, I've known Lily Reynolds since college, and I've never, I, Me too. I yeah, was well, like, before, but yeah. well, that's when I met her, and, and I, she's up there with oxygen just throwing it down. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, and threw it down for like 45 minutes. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, like grabbing the mic. I know, they're like, right? Everyone's like, who's going to get the mic? Nobody. Like, what? Nobody don't get that mic. Um, so it's it's one of those things where I was, it was that moment of fragility where she could have learned. And what the be- the better, but instead of doing that, she decided to to uh, villainize, like make us the villain mm-hmm. and make us the bad. And then in her fragility, not understand that we actually, even without Lily, without any intellectual property of Juneteenth being mentioned in her video, and the one thing she did do was somebody who wasn't black. The interviews that she did do were not people who were American, uh, African American. Um, we're trying to tell you where you missed the point. Yeah. And then we still said 
Your video was good. Yeah, it was a high quality. We gave, we still gave her cookies yeah. to mm -hmm. make sure that she was okay. But it wasn't enough. And it yeah. still wasn't, and we were still the villains. See, so that's the, that's a where, that's, where, I think that's, like, that's a pattern. A lot of sure. it. It's yeah. never enough. That's a very big pattern. Yeah. We try. We go above and beyond to fit in. And this is because we're we, around white folks. Yeah, because, because <laughs> yes. a lot of the people yes. who have because given that up are. and are just like, I'm not going to mm -hmm. give you cookies, I'm not going to... You, you know, this is a moral issue. But it's not It's not dependent on black people being nice to you. Whether you fight for racial justice is not about if you're accepted by the community or if you're, you know, that's that would be, you're fighting for the same objective. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and, if you, think, human rights and if you think that's wrong, right. it doesn't matter how, if we're mean to you. Right. You know, right. Or if any black person is mean to you. Right. Yeah, but it, it, they're like, I'm quitting. I'm
take that as an attack. Take that as like a I believe in you. And like, honestly, don't take that as an obligation. Like that, that they're obligated to do that. They did that out of the kindness of right? your relationship. Like it's not like fun. Right. And that's and here's the thing that I think some white people are having a hard time delineating, which is that if a person is saying um, this is harmful and you're you're in the group that's harmed by it, that's a gift. They don't have to do that. It's it's already inviting more mm -hmm. trauma and mm -hmm. more abuse. But if a white person is sort of mimicking or echoing the same language of of saying to another white person, this is harmful, I've seen a lot of white people almost take it up as like a recreational game of like mm -hmm. I'm the better white person and it's more like finger pointing and like gotcha with the other white people right. instead of like we're all in this. Like mm -hmm. I, I've been, yes. I've, I've been where you are, and I can, and I understand where your thinking's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Versus like trying to point fingers, like the way that in in, in uh, Eugene, how we point to the South and say, well, we're not racist like those people. Right. Like, I live in the South. Like, right. There are still some black people out there. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Well, and you may not be racist like them. You have your own style. You're your own but kind of racist. racist. <laughs> you're your own special kind of racist. Like, you are special. You are special. You're your own special, special type of racist. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that it's not about like it's the, the what they don't understand, and I think that we all are like sitting here just kind of lamenting on is that it's systematic. You can't get around it, and unless you are, and and we as black folks and uh, biracial, you know. Uh, both of your experience is like actually trying to balance that idea. You know what I mean? And because for me, I all, like that that balance of black identity and white identity. Because right. I cannot deny that I have a white identity too. I was yeah. for eighteen years of my life. Yeah. Like, and even now, I have plenty of white friends. Right. And I think this idea that if you're pro-black, you must be anti-white. Not white. No. And no. so I've even had like white people question me, like, well. I know that you're half white and that you grew up white. So how can you even like be valid in this movement? Right. Why do you have a voice? You know, and that's wow. I think that's what's so upsetting is like the fact that I have still had to undergo all of this trauma and still find a way to make others feel comfortable yeah. throughout my life, you right. know. And so the whole thing like coming back to like making sure that I'm keeping myself in check too because there should not I should not have to educate people. No. I do it because I feel that obligation, yeah. you know, yeah. and what part, what, when does it become me holding them back, right, mm -hmm. because I'm doing all the work for them and not making You'll them, yes, I bet you, yes, I bet you, true. it's not long before I stop, like, I, I, I do it in certain situations, but that feeling like really investing a lot of time in this individual one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. handholding, it does hold them back. And, 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 and you're not, and, you're, and you know, you're not really doing a favor. Um, where where the balance for me comes is like trying to say like, am I upholding white supremacy right now? Or am I dismantling it right now? Mm -hmm. Like, I am in the position where I have to question that and there's and the, uh, black people with different life experiences also have to do mm -hmm. that where you oh if I could just say silent I could get along more I might get this promotion I might do this I might you know and you right. and, and and it's you uh, having to make choices um, and I mean if you're staying silent for your own survival for your own paycheck and for things like that that is something that 
I've done and that I, no, I don't feel bad about. You right. know? It's like... But it's still structural abuse. It I mean, is. It absolutely is, but yeah. you also, you know... You gotta do it. You gotta pay the bills. Yeah. You gotta live. Like, you can't right? challenge everything every day and keep your job, you know, and as soon as... But this, this, what you just said, is exactly why white people have to do the work. Exactly. Because they can. Yes. They can exactly. challenge that structure exactly. and keep their job. So we need them to be doing and that. Yes. And that is part and of why. Very and that, level. and yes. that right there is part of why I have more patience. I'm like, you know, we. This is your problem, and I, if I can help yeah. you find like. And some we ways, need them to fix. Like, we know. need their help to yeah. fix it. And, and I, I can help too. And like, you know, y'all have no idea how many folks that are black who have black community who will listen to this and be like, y'all do not need to do that. Like, because, but the thing, the truth of it is, is our proximity to whiteness that. And I, I wrote, I'm writing a book, and I literally just wrote the words like last week. That I was like, I know white book people better than they will ever know me. That's just like know, yeah. just like yeah. we are. Absolutely. And so we have that like I can I can predictably say what's about to happen next yes. when you're with this, and then it's gonna go here, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna go here, and then you're gonna go over there, and right. then you're gonna go over here. It does I, feel like they're just now starting to consider getting to know us. Just consider it. Yeah. But the thing is, is that they're not getting to know us as people. Yeah. They're still thinking of it as a commodity. Mm-hmm. They're th- still thinking that this is not a human rights issue, that this is actually uh, like political. It's political, which means that we are not human. We are not whole like they are whole. Right. If this is political, our skin is still politicized, which means you still don't see us as human. Yes. And you're not seeing this as a human rights abuse, yes. and which means that the whole context in which you are approaching this is out is wrong. Like, yeah. you know, and the people are like, well, I love black people. I love, you just put like, a, you, what you really love is black culture. What you really love is black the, the rhythm and blues and you love all those those things. But when it comes to black but people, you would, for us. no, but when, when you, when you come to black people, you want them to act like, you want them to be black acting like white people. Yes. You don't want us just, to be black being black in black space. Like you don't want the black space to come into the white no. space. Like you really just want us to do what's I comfortable mean, the, for you. The impulse is still to dominate. You know, and still to control, mm-hmm. and it when when with the white people, because as soon as because you like don't want to be uncomfortable, you can't do it, and that's the reason we have not gotten past <laughs> racism because it's, it's going because to be uncomfortable. You, no matter you know, what. like it's uncomfortable for us now. Did yeah. anyone <laughs> I, did anyone see that viral video where they where some Black Lives Matter protests went into an affluent neighborhood and they got this white guy? They were going to a, a mayor's house to protest, and this they got this white guy to interview, and. He, they thought he was going to be like, oh, this is just, you know, I don't know what white thing they thought he was going to say. But he <laughs> was just like, well, I kind of can see their frustration. I mean, we've never dealt with racism. Oh, no. We've never had a Truth and Reconciliation <laughs> Act, or we've never really dealt with this. So I can see why they want to do this. Give him a high five, and I'm like, I'm not on Black Twitter was like, our hero, you know, I mean, like, right? you know, give him a high five. You know, that's the yeah, you want and, and, and they're like, that's right. how you use your privilege. Um, he's still very academic about it, and like, oh, you yeah. know, he's not out there in the streets. No, you don't need to act black to be right to be righteously exactly. pro black. Not everybody is right in the streets, either, right? You know? No, we all got our space and of protest. Exactly. Yeah, yes. everybody's got their part, right? Yeah. And where they fit in. Yeah, and I think that's hard to find, though. I think. But talking through this, like just this topic being brought up, like it's helped me like really think about it. Right. You know? Yeah. Because that's something that a lot of people still can't answer. Even as a black person, like where is my part in this movement? I get you this know? I get this I yeah, I get this idea of like people who are um, feeling like you have to do these certain things to, to in order to be uh, pro black or anti racism yeah, enough, you know? Yeah. And anti racism is like this 
whole genre of a verb. It's oh, yeah. All I'm saying is that it's a verb. That means get up and do some shit. And you right? never and whatever that do some shit means. And you, and you we left it blank. We left it blank. And, 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 and you don't arrive. Right. You're not like, you don't get like a medal. You are anti-racist exactly. now. Like you can be anti-racist in a situation. Right. And you still don't get a medal. But you gotta, it's gotta be ongoing. And like, I'm still dismantling so much of my white supremacist upbringing, like all the time. All, so I'm, I am yeah, constantly, uh, constantly uh, wrestling with the conditioning of the whiteness that I have from zero to yes. 15. It's, constantly it's holding yourself accountable. Yes, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, holy shit. Actually, that's where the name of my podcast came from. Black girl, it's intentionally black girl mm-hmm. from Eugene, is because this is me. Your girl. My girl is the one that I'm addressing uh, from when I was a child. Like, Black Girl from Eugene is, when I sit here unapologetically talking about how I feel about things, I'm addressing the pain of my Black Girl experience. You know what I mean? Because she couldn't say this. And so many, we all have it. Right? You know? Yeah. We've all been there. We've all had that moment. Or, I I have. Your little girl comes back all the time. I mean, whatever your early... Girl, me and my therapy are talking to her every every week. Okay, <laughs> no, but it's like it's honestly like I I I know now when it pops up, and that's that's what we're asking white folks to do. It's like yeah. know when it pops up, and you can go, oh wait, oh wait, calm down. Mm-hmm. This is not where we are. Right. This is not what we're doing. Which you're coming from a much stronger place, and that's also right? something to be mindful of, especially if you're in black spaces as a mixed biracial person. Is like. Being aware of which, what little part, broken part he was talking, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you're like experiencing direct racial trauma from white people, mm-hmm. and this is about what that's about. And sometimes you are remembering being, feeling like you didn't fit in anywhere, right? And then, and then, but that doesn't necessarily need to be in the conversation mm-hmm. right now. That's with your therapist or with your really good friend mm-hmm. or whatever. But family, you yeah, then, you know, right. But yeah. you don't need to bring that in have all these black people who are essentially strangers to care about that. Like, that's not necessarily a healing space. It's not. I think white folks just need to understand that it's like, we've been working on ourselves in order to be here. We have to. We've been working on ourselves. We have to. So I don't know why it's such a, this, this, I mean, I do know why. For years. Don't care. That's totally rhetorical. But I, I mean, I, can, I, I just don't, it's, I, this, it's so hard to be uncomfortable for when them. When you talk about conditioning, just be uncomfortable. I would talk about them as being out of shape. Mm-hmm. They do not have any stamina to handle anything remotely uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable all the time. Every Let day. me tell you about yeah. how to handle it. You know, right? with <laughs> grace and poise. Because you built on being so strong, right? Like, and and you like <laughs> just coming from like a being biracial, like we are like really good at it. Right? Yes. I'm really good at like looking great and fine and okay when yeah. I'm talking to my white people. When inside, I'm like, what? Are you asking me? Right, yeah. And they're wondering how you show up. You're so beautiful. Your hair, you're together. Your hair looks great. Well, and your the, attitude's positive. Because I've been doing this all my damn life. And, oh, and, okay. And, and it's also a, an extension of that fetishizing because they're like, I want to be like you. You're so strong. You're so this. You're so that. Mm-hmm. And So strong. And yeah. I'm like, you. I deliberately turned my back on certain aspects of my privilege to heal mm-hmm. and I'm still healing a lot yeah. you know all the time I still find new things where I'm just like oh my god I can't believe that happened uh, the, the ways that you sacrifice to get along and mm-hmm. things like that but it's not it's they act like 
courage is something outside or like that they, they don't have like a birthright to it or something like this. Like, you could choose right now to tremble There's while a, you speak. The time speak. is now. It's you know? because we're not people too. I, I, I cannot emphasize that enough. When people don't, when white folks look at you and they don't realize how you can do both things. It's because they don't, yeah, have, have feelings, like, have feelings <laughs> and, and be able to show up as, as, as right. strong. And, and then like, for some reason, what, that, what they just laid upon you d just didn't affect her. Like, she's just so strong. That's I because you are not human. Because you're, you're not human. <laughs> they don't, they, you are not normal to what they know as normal which means that you are not within their purview of, of like existing like they don't get it and it's not because they don't it's because what like you said it's the it's surviving right and thriving it's like that thin line between i'm surviving and i'm thriving could you imagine where we would be you know uh if we didn't have to constantly be doing this shit i think, you know what I think like a lot of people who, white people who do not want to find that out well I, I don't think they don't on. even see it yeah. i mean honestly uh, the whole tulsa oklahoma like that was the the closest Any that we product. got without without the the hold of the white folks around us and right. as soon as they burnt bombed and burned it to the ground we haven't done anything like that since and so the thing the truth of it is it's like what would we really be like what where would our conscious really be if you know if we weren't constantly trying to balance this out and even folks who have black community you know and they can go home and they can talk about it and they can have a barbecue and the white people show up and the food is good and everything they still, they still have to go home they still gotta go to work yeah, and deal with the white folks at work you know and, i mean they have to do they have to we have to perform you know, there's a train going by. I still can't get past that. This building is a hundred years old, and it's so funny because my daughter was like, "So did slaves build this?" I'm like, "Probably." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, good question." Yes, those tough questions. People, they will say, "Oh no, we didn't have slavery here." It's like because you literally wrote in your constitution that black people were not allowed. Right? Right? Yeah. We didn't even we couldn't even exist. Right? No. And we couldn't even do your dirty work. No. No. Right? And you know what? Just like at the time of abolition, just like right now. The, the white people who were against slavery weren't, it wasn't necessarily the majority of them because they cared about black people. Yeah. You know, they had their other reasons. But there was this small portion of abolitionists, of people who believed yeah. in the humanity of everyone and all this. And it's the same thing now. It's a it's a, gonna be a small fraction of white people who can make this move yeah. more. Yeah. And so you don't need to talk to the far right. You don't need to convert any Trump supporters. You, you do, do not. not. Don't waste your you energy. Know, yes. you, it's the That's thing I've learned too. Is I I mean I'm only 31, so I think I still we all have lots of growing to do. Right. But just even in the last six months, I've learned how to identify the ones that you might be able to educate and have some influence on, and then the ones that like don't waste your time, sister, because yeah. Because it's in fact, yeah. in fact, the block. They won't. <laughs> block. Like before you came on here, I'm, I gotta get back to blocking. Uh, you know, on my Instagram know, because somebody did too much. About someone else. Someone has done too much, show. and it was my fault because I should have never engaged. I did. I was. I was just like. Damn it. As soon as we responded, that, I was like, that, damn that's it. That's another pattern to recognize of the way that they'll bait you in. And now you're in this nonsensical conversation with this white person who is never going to get it in this decade or the next. And you could Or over Instagram thread. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're going to learn something through the Instagram thread or and then be like, oh, I, I feel you know, something right. now. 
Like, you're not, it's not gonna happen. You're just there to fight me. Yeah. And it's and on my shit. You. And I do have to say, sometimes, when I'm in that, like... I know. It's <laughs> a fire fight, you know that fire. I know. Fire you're like, I'm here like, for today. <laughs> let me open up Car on Lane County real quick. Oh. <laughs> you chose the wrong one. Yeah. Like, no, look, it's it's the same one. Right? Who can I talk to? And it's like, and I think... That can be kind of cathartic. What What does that mean? Uh, who was it? Uh, Vanessa said it to me. She goes, this reminds me of you. And it was like, uh, if a black person says you caught the right one, you in fact did not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You in fact did not. Right, right, right. You're about to get your ass whooped. Well, to you. But, you know, I, it's been so long since I have decided to roll up my sleeves and been like, you know what, this is what, how we're about to go down. Mm-hmm. Because I just, like, you know, I, I know people, not everyone loves Beyonce, but I do fight me. So I love Beyonce and there's what there's... I'm a fan. Girl. I'm a fan. Okay. So, look, there's a lyric of her, uh, the recent song that she came out. Not, not, oh, um, not Black Parade. I love Black Parade. But um, the remix that she did, Savage. Oh, okay. There's a law, there's a sign, there's a sentence there that, girl, I just like, it resonates right here. And it says, I don't argue with these bitches. I just raise my price. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, she's talking directly to me. Okay. I'm not arguing with these fools. Like, right? I'm like, oh, what? Okay, 175. Yeah. What? You still here? Okay, well, thank you, Sheree, for coming and doing it. And I Maybe want come see me. I'm at Salon Nirvana, by the way. Yes. Oh yeah, plug, girl, plug. Oh yeah, I do. Um, well, I'm at Salon Nirvana. I'm a hairstylist. I've been a hairstylist for almost 15 years now. So very experienced. Most of my training was in California. Mm-hmm. Um, my I don't think y'all right now because it ain't cute. But she okay, don't. She don't help it in a couple weeks. She don't help it out. I do specialize in curly. curly and natural hair. So mm-hmm. there is someone in Eugene, and I know there are a few other places that you can get your hair done, but there's not enough. So I'm one more in the area who specializes in curly and natural hair. Mm-hmm. So come see me. I feel like I do like half the black people's hair. Yes, because yes. you're the one to go to. Yes. I'm sorry, come but you are the one. I mean, yeah. Oh my God, when, when her dad was cutting her hair, I was sitting there watching the whole thing like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, style. Yes. Do you yes. want to wrap it yes. before you go? Yes. Okay. Well, we love you. Thank love you so much. We're about to wrap it up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna wrap it up. I think it was great. Um. So so grateful for you, Serena. And honestly, I want to invite you back at any time, even if you're like, I just want to say some shit. <laughs> I mean, then let's get on the damn camera and say we some do shit. I not want to say. Okay. I know. But I lo- that's what we love. And I. I'm opening up to people of color, you know, black folks uh, particularly, but um, I'm not closing any doors to brown folks, indigenous folks, and uh, I want to make sure that everyone knows that there is definitely a place to feel like you can be heard and feel like you can express yourself, and I'm here for it, and hopefully everyone else um, who is watching won't try to uh, bring in any kind of hateful energy, but if they do, you know what? They on camera. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's really nice to talk, you know, just to talk about it, even if, but projecting it out to the world to let people know yeah. is in and of itself an act of hope, you know? I think so. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's subjective. I probably should have. But, you know, it's like, it's, it's what we're talking about makes it harder, I mean, makes it easier 
for the people around us, and we're used to white, I keep having to say, it, we're used to white folks. Yeah. We're used to the antics. Like, when I talk to my friends in Texas, they're like, y'all doing what? Because <laughs> this doesn't make sense. It's just not, it's not, yeah, them. you're like, you're just letting this in, and you're like, are you okay? Like, they're checking up on me. Like, you are doing the most for these po- folks that, who aren't doing enough. And it goes back to what you were saying, and what Sheree was saying, is like, when are we actually stopping their growth? And so I don't argue anymore. Like I said, um, I've been doing the consultations for um, a while, actually, but for way less money. Mm-hmm. And it was someone in Texas who was like, "You are you scared of your worth? Like, is, are you scared to ask for the money? And, and the, my first reaction was, they won't pay it. You know what I mean? And I want them to know the information. And then she was like, if they won't pay you, they don't want to know the information. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I had to... Because my proximity to whiteness allowed me to negotiate the value of what I had to give to their standard. Yeah. And she, without her proximity to whiteness, checked me. And I was like, thank God, because yeah. I was forget I was looking at my value in white folks' eyes versus what I know I'm worth. Well, and you wouldn't know if they want to pay unless you've charged them. You know? so I, was, <laughs> I was already anticipating that they wouldn't. Yeah. Because so of my white conditioning, yeah. I was already well, saying, I think, I, how can I make them I think, sit at the table? Like, yeah, it was ridiculous. I think for a lot of white people, those conversations are exhilarating. Yeah. And they don't realize that for you, it's more like draining and taxing. Right. Like, this isn't, I can't wait to talk about race. Right. Know? Yeah, like the, yeah. This is more like I don't. I didn't realize the depth of um, not knowing that some of my white friends had. You know, right. Until we started. Well, now, know. now, like I said, the facilitation idea. Yeah. Now that the the I had to get behind the idea that like I'm not doing this for them, and the taxing part of it only comes when I start to get like. Um, actually, I've, I've learned very hard, very well. Yeah, the conditioning is so unwrapped for me. It's mm-hmm. starting to get to the point where the unwrapping is so yeah. prevalent that like it doesn't bother me like that anymore because it's very factual. This is not about emotions. Yeah. Like this is very factual stuff, and I know that I can talk to them in a way that isn't about them. That isn't about me. Yeah. It's a very factual situation, and I'm just I'm just asking them to look harder. You know yeah. what I mean? And in th- in that context. Yeah. I can maintain longer. You know what I mean? But still, you get to the point where somebody is trying to test you. Even when they're paying you, they're still trying to test you. And you're like, okay. Like, you know, yeah. I am not bound to this contract, even when they pay me, if they're going to try to abuse me in right. this time frame. You That's know what right. I mean? I'm like inching toward that because the more... Um, the, the more I heal, the less it is about needing to validate my identity or anything yes, like that. It's exactly. about the information. There we go. You know. We're going to end on that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. Thank you so I'll much. Please come back again. Okay. Um, thank you guys for listening, and we are going to call it good. <laughs> Bye, you guys.